This is the third recording in 1 Samuel, so it's part three of 1 Samuel, page 114 in Benware. We're looking at the right-hand column of the page, about halfway down, Saul's anointing and recognition as king of Israel, chapters 9, 1 through 12, verse 25. Evidently, God gave Israel the kind of king they wanted, but did not intend to use him in a significant way. Samuel first anointed king, uh, was first anointed king privately, and later Samuel anointed him in a public ceremony in chapter 10, verse 17 through 24. Now this is significant because this is the way that kings were to be um, chosen. There was an anointing with oil, and in fact, throughout um, the Samuel and the and the book of Kings, then you'll see that, well, for instance, David says, do not strike the Lord's anointed. And we may even hear that said today. And I've heard pastors say that where um, they're speaking of some authority that they think that they have. And the saying comes in, don't, don't um, touch the Lord's anointed. And be careful here because you want to um, ask who, what, when, where, why, how carefully and say, well, who is the Lord's anointed? Well, that phrase it refers to a king. A pastor is not a king. A pastor is one who is exercising one of the gifts of the Spirit, and they're uh, in the in the office of elder or bishop or pastor. And there's um, a plurality of pastors that is normally seen in the New Testament. That's, well, every time it comes up, we're talking plural pastors. And in this case, you have singular king. And the Lord's anointed is particularly the king whom God has put on the throne. And so it's simply, um, you just want to make sure that we're using such a phrase as it as it's to be used, I suppose someone could, in a, in a silly way, if they say, don't touch the Lord's anointed, one could ask, uh, I, where's the king? What is, is the king of Israel here? Because don't touch the Lord's anointed is particularly referring to the king. Anyway, back to page 114, the oil of anointing when used in worship, and we're in the right-hand column um, the, about halfway through the page under Saul's anointing. The oil of anointing when used in worship was a symbol of the divine spirit, but in uh, kingly or regal consecration in that, in that um, ceremony event, the anointing with oil, it marked God's gift of his spirit to aid the king when administering his rule. Now, let's pause there for a second. This is not the indwelling of the Spirit that we see in the New Testament. Uh, in Acts chapter 2, the church was born. And when the church was born, then God put the Spirit of God into all born-again believers. And that is the baptism of the Spirit. And at the baptism of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes into the believer, and they're sealed for the day of salvation and the Holy Spirit cannot leave that believer, never will believe, uh, leave that, that new child of God. And so when they come to Christ, they become indwelled with the Spirit. But with this anointing, the Holy Spirit comes in to aid the king of Israel 
And it's, it's a different kind of gift. It's a beautiful gift. Um, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit did not in the same way indwell the believers. Salvation was the same, but the gift of the Spirit coming in, it is a new covenant gift. And at the time of the new covenant being installed, the Spirit then would come in and comfort and teach and lead in a new and significant way. That's why you'll see that Saul could have the Spirit come on and come off of him, as it were. But in the New Testament, uh, someone who believes in Christ, who's indwelt by the Spirit, cannot ever be indwelt by a demon, for instance. Now, a believer might be able to be afflicted in some way with demonic activity, but they cannot be indwelt or possessed by a demon because we are possessed by the Holy Spirit from the moment of our salvation onward all the way to the day of redemption. Okay, I wonder if that will spark some discussion and questions, but let's continue on for now and save the questions for after the session. The title of anointed one was only used absolutely of the king. Subsequently, the word became the title for the great uh, Davidite who was to come and complete the expected kingdom of God. Altogether, the noun anointed occurs 39 times in the Old Testament. 23 times, it's a title for the reigning king of Israel. Although he was anointed as Israel's king, some doubted that he could really lead Israel. But Saul's credentials as king were firmly established when he led Israel to the great military victory at Gabesh Gilead, chapter 11, verses 1 through 15. After that great victory, which brought Saul general recognition as king, Samuel stepped down as judge in Israel, and he turned the civil authority over to Saul, and he exhorted Israel to fear and obey the Lord. Now that's substantial. Uh, For Saul to become king, Samuel was, as it were, losing position, losing recognition, losing authority, and Saul, being the humble man that he was, the great man that he was, stepped down. But what an emotional time that would have been for him to um, be um, giving to King Saul that which formerly he had. And note you know, we tend to think in terms of civil leaders or presidents or prime ministers or whatever. When they're established, of course, everyone across the whole world can know who the king or the prime minister or the leader of a nation is. But as it were, this travels at the speed of of walking. And so when Saul becomes the king, uh, it, it's... It is first private, then it is public, but it has to be demonstrated. And so that battle where there was a decisive victory is the place in which Saul is recognized formally and everyone, uh, the news spreads in such a way that it's very clear. And now we come to the decline of Saul, chapters 13 through 31. Uh, No sooner had Saul gained... um, unmitigated authority and power, then his decline comes because Saul turns out not to be a faithful man. All right. Um, 
we can look at the chart on page 116. It's where we find ourselves in the Book of Benware. And you can see the United Kingdom, the Divided Kingdom, and the Single Kingdom. And this chart simply sets us up well to see uh, the progression of the, the history of the nation of Israel. So look at the United Kingdom, and it, 1 Samuel 8 starts off with King Saul, then King David, and then King Solomon. And in 931, the kingdom is divided, and Judah in the south, at the bottom of the chart, Judah and Benjamin, or the two tribes, they are um, in and around the area of Judah and Jerusalem, and the ten tribes to the north, they all separate off. Now, you'll notice, you know, there's the King Saul, King David, King Solomon, they're part of the United Kingdom, and then you have that line, and you have the divided kingdom. Now, look at the the top of the chart in the middle, 2 Kings chapter 17, and then you see 721, 721 B.C. That is the year, 721, that the ten northern tribes go into captivity when they are assaulted by the nation of Assyria. And so they are um, carried off into captivity, and we can get into some of that when we get into Kings. Then following that, you see that Judah remains on past that next black line into the single kingdom of Israel, 2 Kings chapter 25. And Israel continues on as the nation of God, Judah and Benjamin, the two tribes. And then in the year 586, you see that Babylon uh, carries them off into three sets of captivity. All right, so that gives us the basic um, period of the of Israel and their kings all the way up to the captivity.